Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Welcome to church. We are in our fourth edition of this series called Details, How Jesus Wants Us to Live. The Sermon on the Mount, get this picture in your mind, there overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Jesus withdraws up to the side of a mountain and he sits down there among the rocks and the grass and the people come around him and they're listening. These are people who love him. These are people who believe that he is the Son of God, that he is the promised Messiah. These are the ones who have been waiting for him and so uh, they're listening very closely. And Jesus in kindness gives us the details of how we are supposed to live. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Today we're in verse 6. We're still in what's called the Beatitudes, all of those blesseds. But here we are today in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hungered and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And we'll look at this breakdown here um, on the screen. We'll kind of break it up together today. Um, we'll talk a little bit one more time about what it means to be blessed, what Jesus is talking about, who are the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness and what that means. And then we'll also take some time to teach through what it is to be filled. So first of all, blessed. Blessed is this concept that describes the condition of a person more than the emotions of a person. It's not that this person is, is always happy. It's not that this person is, has got everything going right for them. It's describing a condition. And so when Jesus sees these things in our lives, when God sees these things in our lives, he says to us, you are blessed, or congratulations, or you should be happy, or man, it's really good to be you. And he said that about the very first one, was, which was the poor in spirit. If you're poor in spirit, man, that's right where you need to be. Congratulations, blessed are you. If you're mourning over sin and and all the wreck and ruin it's brought to your life and the lives of others, you are right where you need to be. Congratulations. Blessed are you who mourn. Last week we saw blessed are the meek. If you are meek, if you are living in your strength, your God-given strength, under control, if you are under his leadership and guidance, eager to follow his leadership, blessed are you. You're right where you need to be. Blessed is a congratulations. It's an observation. Oh, that's where you are? Wow, it's really good to be you. That's what blessed is saying. And now here Jesus is teaching about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you look at that, 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 that verse, it it's basically sounds like it doesn't make sense. Blessed if you're hungry and thirsty. It sounds contradictory. If you're really starving, but Jesus was talking about hunger and thirst on the inside, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's talk about righteousness this morning. Righteousness is best understood in two ways, right standing with God and right living in response to God. 
Our right standing with God is who I am to God. This is our salvation. This is the fact that God finds me acceptable, that I have a right relationship with God. And this is, as Jesus was teaching there on the mountainside and the people were listening, uh, this would have been the moment where he said, listen, if you are hungry and thirsty to be right with your creator, if you're hungry and thirsty to be right with God, to have a relationship with God, that's right where you need to be. Congratulations. Blessed are you. Righteousness first describes right standing, who I am to God. But secondly, it also includes right living, how I live in response to and in light of God. This is about living a, li- a godly life. So this morning, and we're going to, in just a minute, we're going to run through a boatload of scriptures together to try to understand what's happening here in this word righteousness. Righteousness is a condition that you have, that you are found acceptable to God. He looks upon you and he sees the righteousness of Christ on your life if you've believed in Jesus. And he declares you are righteous, but he also wants you to live righteously. He wants you to live a godly life. So it's right standing and right living. One of the biggest pursuits in the human life is how to be right with God. How do I be right with God? Can I earn it? Can I work really hard? Can I try to do good deeds? Can I try to cancel out my bad deeds by trying to do more good deeds than my bad deeds? And none of those things are true according to God's word. The only hope that you and I have for being right with God is believing in Jesus Christ. The only hope we have for being acceptable to God when God looking at us and approving The only hope we have is through Jesus. We see God saw that we were helpless to have any righteousness of our own, that we had all sinned, we had all rebelled against God, and there was no way we could be found acceptable to God. And in his love and in his mercy and in his kindness, he sent Jesus, his only son, who came and gave his life on the cross, who died as your substitute and paid the debt for the guilt of your sin. And Jesus paid for all of that on the cross. Three days later, God raised him from the dead, and now God has said that if you will believe in Jesus, the acceptableness of Jesus will be yours. The righteousness of Christ will be yours so that you could have right standing before me. The only way to be right with God is to believe and follow Jesus. Let's unpack this quite a bit this morning. Let's first start with this right standing idea. I'm going to give you two concepts and a lot of scripture. We'll come back and forth to these and I'll put them on the screen for you um, as we work our way through. Number one, if we're going to understand right standing with God, we have to embrace the thought we cannot make ourselves right with God. You can't do it. You cannot do good deeds enough to earn approval from God. You cannot cancel out your bad deeds enough by trying to do good deeds to earn acceptance before God. God only will give us righteousness by faith, by believing in Jesus. Let's unpack some of these scriptures. Romans chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10. It's going to come up on your screen for you here. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who 
understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Let's keep rolling through that. And in, be found in him, Philippians 3, 9. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Roll back to that Romans verse there for just a moment. There is no one righteous. We cannot make ourselves righteous with God. There is no one who seeks him. All have turned away. They've become, there is no one who does good, not even one. All of us have sinned against God. And then in that Ephesians passage that we looked at just a second ago, Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3, Paul is describing the ways he could have confidence in his own flesh, the ways that he could have confidence in his own life and sort of stand before God as, a, as, as one who was educated and one who was born in the right family and one who had all the right connections. But he says, listen, none of that matters because I don't have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or trying to be good on my own behavior, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. The only way to be acceptable to God is by believing in Jesus and following him. So we cannot make ourselves right with God, but number two, under right standing, Jesus is our only way to be right with God. The focus goes to Jesus. Jesus is our way of being right with God. Look at Romans 3, verse 21 and 22. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith. It's a gift. It's not earned. Being acceptable to God is not earned. It is something that God gives you when you believe, and he puts the righteousness of Christ onto your life. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So friends, the big issue here is you cannot make yourself right with God, and Jesus is the only way to be right with God. So the big question of the morning is this, have you received righteousness by believing in Jesus? Have you believed in Christ? Have you put faith in Christ? If you have, then you are acceptable to God because the right standing with him comes by faith. One more verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul says, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God of God. When Jesus died on the cross, he was not guilty of sin. He did not deserve that punishment. But God chose to substitute his son out of love for you. And Jesus died so that you could have the possibility of being right with God. It's the only way to be right with God big question this morning. Huge theological doctrinal piece for us if we're understanding things. You will not be saved by being a good boy or a good girl. 
You cannot be saved by being moral. You cannot be saved just by being really pleasant and fun to be around. You cannot be saved by being obedient to the laws of man. You cannot be saved any other way than believing in Jesus. Because God loved you so much, he made a way where there was no way. There was no way. And he made him who had no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So this idea of right standing, you cannot make yourself right with God. You cannot make yourself acceptable to God. You cannot clean up your own life enough to be right with God. And Jesus is the way. But the other idea in righteousness is right living, that you and I are to, to, to live differently, to live a godly life. So let's look at some things under this. Number one, we are to choose godliness as our new priority in life as Christians. We're to choose godliness. How are we going to live? Yes, there is mercy. Yes, there is grace. Yes, there is salvation. But we are not to pursue sin. We are not to pursue uh, darkness. We are not to run after the things of the flesh. We are to pursue godliness. We are to hunger and to thirst after right living as a new priority because we are Christians. We're going to look together at Romans chapter 6. In several verses, Romans 6, starting in verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. The picture there of reigning is like a king on a throne. Don't let sin be in charge in your life. Don't let it reign. That means you're going to have to arm wrestle some of those sinful desires in your world. That means you're going to have to drop kick them. It means you're going to have to overpower them. It means that you're going to have to be determined and disciplined and committed and passionate to right living. Don't let these things reign in your life any longer. It goes on to say, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, but you're under grace. Young and old, do not offer any part of your body or any parts of your life to sin. You have new priorities now, and it is to use your days, to use your thoughts, to use your body in right living because you no longer belong to sin. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that When you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Time out. 
Let's talk about slavery here for a moment. When you see slavery mentioned in the New Testament, this is not a reference to the evil practices that were done by men in the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th century, and unfortunately still carries on in, uh, somewhat in the 20th century and even into the 21st century, where people were gone and taken by force from their homes, and they were treated brutally as slave labor. That's not what this is referred to. This is referring to an obligation relationship. Typically, in this day and time, there would have been people who were really struggling financially. They didn't have a lot of money. So what they did is they went and they took on jobs for other people, and they were working off their debts. So they were obligated to work for that person while they were paying off their debts. And that's what that slave-master relationship was. So now... Come back here and read verse 15 again and following through that lens of understanding slavery. Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. You're obligated is what Paul is saying. You're obligated. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. This is that right living we're talking about. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So right living is connected to obedience. You're not under law anymore. You're not under the grip of sin anymore. You're no longer obligated to sin. You're now obligated to righteousness. Christians, Everybody look up here for a second. If you are a Christian, your godliness should not be by accident. It should be by daily pursuit and intention. Jesus came and set me free from the grip of being obligated to sin. So why in the world would I continue to choose to sin? I'm no longer obligated. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And so I want to live free because Jesus bought my freedom. Amen? So we have an obligation. Young and old, all of us, we have an obligation to choose what is right and good and godly because you have been set free from the grip of that which is death. And now we are to live in that which is life. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves to righteousness. That word obligation relationship, again, you are, you are now obligated. Let me put it in some different terms. Young and old, when God looks upon your life, he expects obedience obedience from us. He looks at his children and what he expects is obedience. One of the common occurrences in our town is moms and their kids making trips to Target. And sometimes the trip to Target goes well and you get in, you get out, you get your stuff. You probably bought more than you thought you were going to buy. And, and getting in and getting out, the success of the day is my kid did not throw a crazy conniption fit in Target and total me, totally embarrass me in that moment. That's the victory moment coming out of Target. But sometimes 
That's not always a guarantee. So usually as mom or dad is lifting the kid into the buggy, there's a conversation going on. Now look, I'm putting you in this buggy. And I'm going to pick you up something off the dollar shelf right there by the door. You hold, play with this. But there's an expectation that as we go along through this store today, don't lose it. Don't go crazy. Don't freak out. Don't reach for everything. Don't beg for everything. Don't disagree with me. Do not pinch your sister. Just go. I have expectations for how we're going to go through the store today. Because I'm your parent. And I'm telling you right now what my expectations are. And if you are not obedient, I don't care who sees, I'm going to call you out right here in the middle of Target. As you go through your day tomorrow, the Lord has expectations for how you live as one of his kids. Because sin is no longer your master. He is. And he is your father. And if you are going through your day and rebelling against what his expectations are, he will call you out. Because he's a good father and he refuses to let his kids grow up to be spiritual brats. Amen? calling here is that you and I would say, I'm a Christian, so really, I'm not really hungering and thirsting for right standing with God because I've believed in Jesus. I have right standing with God. Now I am hungering and thirsting to live a godly life on a Monday. I am hungering and thirsting to be clean with my Monday. Man, I feel like somebody in the room that really resonates with you to have a clean day, not a perfect day, but a day where your heart is aimed at godliness more than it's aimed at ungodliness. This is why we need a breakthrough to reorient our priorities, to make sure we understand in light of what Jesus has done in setting me free from the grip of sin on my life, I want to now live in that freedom under the obligation. I am a slave, as Paul would put it. I am in an obligation relationship to my Father in heaven. This is thick stuff. If you're waking up tomorrow and you're hungering and thirsting to live a godly life with tomorrow, you're right where God wants you. Blessed are you. Congratulations. Man, it's really good to be you if you're longing for that. I'm so tired of what sin does to me. I'm so tired of the way sin costs me. I'm so tired of the way that sin lies to me. I'm so tired of the way that sin leaves me feeling slimy and dirty and empty and full of shame and full of regret. I don't want that anymore. What I am hungry for, what I am thirsty for, is to live a godly life as a godly woman or a godly man. Blessed are you. When that's your goal, when that's your hunger, when that's your thirst. Let's keep reading here in Romans 6. 
Verse 18 again, you have been set free from sin. Glory to God. And you have become in this obligation relationship slaves to righteousness. Verse 19, I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves in an obligation relationship to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves, offer yourselves in an obligation relationship to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. And what benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God in an obligation relationship, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You and I have been set free from this grip and now God has an expectation for what you do with your freedom. God has an expectation for how you live in the grip of grace out from under the grip of sin. We have new priorities to be godly men and women. Number two, we're going to make godly choices for how we show our obedience to God. We want to be godly young men and godly older men and godly young women and godly older women is a way to show our obedience to God. Look at this passage from 2 Timothy 3.16. It's one you're likely familiar with that all scripture is God-breathed, it's inspired, and it's useful for some important things here. Look at this, for teaching, for rebuking, Rebuking is the idea of getting in your face because you need to make a correction. The Bible is good for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. Not training you to be right standing, but training you for right living. So friends, be in the Bible. Be in God's word because it is good for you in training you to be obedient. I want to live on a Monday as an obedient son of God. Be in God's word because it will train you and teach you and guide you and rebuke you. Young men, if you want to grow up to be a strong leader among God's people, if you want to be a, a young man of, of fruit-bearing influence in your world at school and at work and in college and all those places, then get your life into God's Word so that as God's Word gets into you, it changes how you live. And young ladies, I would say the same to you. For all that you desire to be pleasing to the Lord and to be a person who's living a fruit-filled life, Get your life in the Bible. And as the Bible gets into you, it will change how you live to train you for right living. Number three, right living has to do with pointing us back to Jesus. We need to see that Jesus has enabled us to live a godly life. Can you picture the people sitting on the mountainside People listening to Jesus as he taught overlooking the Sea of Galilee. 
He's teaching them and talking to them, and, and they, they've, they've, they've got some of them rumbling in their hearts, and he knows their hearts because he's God. He's got, they have some of them rumbling in their hearts. I really want to live pleasing to my God. I really want to live a pleasing life, and I just keep bumping up against my own sinfulness. I keep bumping up against my own inconsistency. I am prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Anybody else? So Jesus says there on the hillside, if you're hungering and thirsting to live a godly life, you're right where you need to be. I've got good news for you. If that's what you're longing for, you can be filled. Jesus is the great good news enabler of our ability to live a godly life. Because if I follow me, I will end up in a ditch. Anybody else? Sometimes I give too much credit to the sin in my life and I say that sin is so big, that so sin is so strong, that sin is so powerful, but we need to remember our Jesus is bigger and more powerful than any sin that threatens or wants to take over our lives. He has purchased us, he has paid for it all, and he has broken the chains of sin over our lives. And the hope we have this morning is that we are not forever stuck with the sin we battle. I want to give you that hope this morning. You are not stuck for the rest of your life with the sins that you battle. Jesus has set you free from even that sin that you keep battling. He has enabled us. Look at this passage of scripture in 1 Peter 2, 24. For he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. And part of that healing is, is that you have traded masters. You are under new management. You are under new leadership. You're in the grip of grace, not in the grip of sin. He set you free. You don't have to long to be godly to futility. You can live a godly life because of what Jesus has done. So the scripture talks about blessed and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's talk briefly a little bit about what it means to be filled. When Jesus is talking about this in these two areas, first of all, in right standing, Jesus is saying, look, if you're longing to be right with your creator, it has been provided for you. Jesus, the one who is talking, is the way maker. Amen? He's the one. He's, he is, he's sitting there on the side of the mountain. He's going, if you're hungering and thirsting to be right with God, boy, do I've got you fixed up. He is the way to be right with God and the only way. And in the area of right living, Jesus has enabled us to live in obedience. So in right standing, being filled is the way that you can have the righteousness of God on your life given to you as a gift when you believe. And in right living, now you have the power to live a godly Monday because Jesus has broken the power of sin and he's paid for it. So Jesus is the answer 
Jesus is the center of both of these things. Jesus is the one to be exalted in all of this. When you live a godly Monday, it's not going to be because you were strong. It's going to be because Jesus broke the bonds that were strong. And you're going to live in his power on a Monday. What does this mean for our lives? Let me give you four quick things and we'll be done. What does this mean for our lives? First of all, it means that your future sins do not interrupt your right standing with God. Because your right standing with God, your righteousness comes when you believe. It does not come and go based on your behavior. If you've believed in Jesus, if you become a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you do not have to reclaim right standing with God. Is that good news for anybody? That your salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Your salvation is not based on your ability to hold on to God, but God's ability to hold on to you. Someone wise said that a long time ago. Your salvation, your relationship with God does not go on and off, in and out. Your right standing with God was yours when you put faith in Jesus. Number two, if you are in Christ, please do not obey God in order to gain his acceptance. You already have that. God looks upon you and he's not pretending that you're righteous. When he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He has given you the righteousness of Christ on your life. Sometimes you can get off in the weeds in your discipleship and you can think, well, I want to try to do the right thing so that I can make God happy as if God's just perpetually angry with me. And you have to remember that if you're a believer in Christ, you are already his accepted, approved son or daughter in full. And nothing you could ever do, no choice you could ever make will change God's acceptance and approval over your life. So obey God by all means. Be godly. But do that to be obedient, not to try to get God to like you. If I could boil it all down, he already likes you as much as it's possible to like you. He likes you in full. Third thing, the call is for us to be godly and to be righteous and to obey God so that we can show the blessedness of the Christian life. If you're chasing after money, you will not be satisfied. If you're chasing after pleasure, it will never satisfy your soul. If you're hungering and thirsting for fame and notoriety and for your stuff and your name to go viral, if you're hungering and thirsting for that, it will never satisfy. Never. But if you'll hunger and thirst for right living, for righteousness, you will be filled. So live that kind of life and show the world how blessed it is to belong to God. 
Because when you live a godly life, your heart will be filled. There may be storm going on all around you. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen. It doesn't mean that you won't have rough days. But what it will mean is that deep down in your soul, you will be satisfied. You will be filled. And that needs to be put on display for the world. That the godly life is not a short-changed life. That the godly life is a good life. wonder if there's somebody in the room this morning who's really aware that all the lies you have to tell to cover up for your sin is exhausting and has been leaving you feeling gross lately. The lies you have to tell to cover up for your sin have just left you feeling so empty and wrong and exhausted. Live a godly life and be full and close your eyes at night on your pillow with the thought of being clean in your heart. When you walk in godliness, you don't have to cover up. When you walk in godliness, you don't have to pretend. When you walk in godliness, you don't have to keep up with the lies. When you walk in godliness, you're free. And God will bless that and fill you. Lastly, the call from this pastor to, to our flock this morning is that you would worship and adore and thank Jesus for making a way where there was no way. You would thank Jesus for making a way where there was no way. Don't miss how big this is. You and I had no hope of being right with God apart from Jesus paying for what we could not pay for. Amen? That's our right standing. And you and I had no hope of conquering sin. If it's, if it's just left to our own strength, we're just going to sin all day long. We have no hope for conquering the battle with sin to be godly with our lives apart from Jesus. He enables right living. So there on the hillside, Jesus gives these words. Let me put it into a paraphrase for you this morning. If you're longing to be right with God, if you're longing and hungry to live a pure and godly life, and blessed are you. Congratulations. It's really good to be you. That's right where you need to be. A way has been made for both of those things to be satisfied. A way for you to be right with God and a way for you to enjoy a godly life. This is the good news of the gospel. Your hunger and your thirst can be satisfied. What are you longing for? What are you hungry for? What are you chasing? What are you pursuing? Jesus says, let me tell you, the people who are blessed, the people who are right where they need to be, they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let's pray.